Okay. God's plans and purposes for Israel. Now, if you want to follow up on anything you're going to hear this morning, I recommend that you look at the references that I used. These are websites, prophecynewswatch.com, themostimportantnews.com, hebrewforchristians.com, there's a YouTube clip from Derek Prince called Israel in the End Times. It's absolutely brilliant and some, quite a bit of the material I have captured from there. And there is another YouTube video that I haven't, uh, I haven't looked at but I am going to be looking at because he's my favourite teacher and that's David Pawson, Israel the Church in the End Times. And there's also a digital magazine you can get on a website called Israel Today. So you can write those down or ask me for them afterwards. What I want to let, want to let you know is that tomorrow in Paris, because it's Sunday the 15th, tomorrow in Paris, or tonight in Paris, in France, representatives from 70 different countries will gather for an unprecedented global conference. Everything's been under the radar because evil is under the radar, is it not? Until it's exposed. The stated goal of this conference is to promote a two-state solution in Israel as the way that lasting peace will be brought to the Middle East. In Israel, there is a tremendous amount of concern that whatever is agreed upon at this conference will immediately be used as the basis for a United Nations Security Council resolution that would permanently divide the land of Israel and create a Palestinian state. Now, Michael Snyder, on his website, theimportantnews.com, says, if you want to greatly anger a man, just go after his home or his family. And this will be true just about in every culture around the globe. Similarly, when the rest of the world attempts to divide the land of Israel, so the world saying, I want your land divided, and what they're proposing, which came from a resolution that New Zealand sponsored, much to our shame, a resolution that went to the Security Council, that was jacked up from the States, from Obama, just a few weeks before, makes the recommendation to divide up Israel so that it cuts right through the middle of Jerusalem, which is God's city, prevents the Jews from even going to the Wailing Wall, which they've been going to for centuries. And it's not of God. So they're wanting to divide the land of Israel and hurt the Jewish people. When they do that, they're going after a family that Jesus was born into. And a city where he will rule one day soon and reign for a thousand years after he comes back. You know, when, when Jesus was being crucified, the Roman soldiers divided up his clothing and that was a deeply disgraceful thing to do. Now just before Jesus returns, I believe, 
the entire globe is trying to divide up his land and divide up the one city on the entire planet that he has identified as his city. Not New York, not London, not Paris, not Auckland. God says that his city is Jerusalem. Let's look at Matthew 5, 34-35. But I say to you, this is Jesus, do not swear at all on neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Why are our leaders around the world being so foolish? In the scripture, God specifically warns us that in the last days, he will judge the nations for dividing up his land. Look at Joel chapter 3, 1 to 2. In those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. One day soon, all the nations are going to come against Israel. I will enter into judgment with them regarding my people and my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. So what's happening in Paris tomorrow may very well happen. And the land may get divided. And it will bring about world war of one kind or another. And then God will deal with those nations. It's all in prophecy. It's all in the scriptures. And why is God coming against them? Because they've divided up his land. So the 70 nations, including New Zealand, that are joining together in Paris tomorrow are literally endangering, are, liter are literally in danger of cursing the entire planet. Do you realise that? Now, if you've studied the Old Testament books, or if you just read them, they're, they're fantastic to read. If you don't have a Bible plan that you read a bit of the Old Testament each day and a little bit of the New Testament, can I recommend that you do? Because a one-year plan takes you right through the Bible in one year. And by doing that each year, you get an overview of the way God thinks and God's plans. And you also see how he treats Israel. And he tells you why he treats Israel in a certain way. If you, if you read Ezekiel and Joel, they're just exciting. You can actually see what's about to happen up ahead. Even though they were written hundreds of years ago, your spirit will tell you, hey, this is close. This is close. You know, um, and if you listen to renowned teachers like Derek Prince or David Pawson, you'll know that Israel, as well as the Messiah, has a central place in prophecy. It was prophesied that the Jews would be scattered amongst the nations, and that has happened four times. To Assyria, to uh, Babylonia, uh, Greece uh, was the third one, and the fourth one happened in, in AD uh, 
235, I think it is, when the Romans kicked every Jew out of the land of Judah, it was called then. And of course there are copious prophecies about them being restored to their land in the last days. So they were restored each time that they were dis dispersed. Then they were dispersed not long after Jesus Christ came to earth and, and went back to heaven. Not long after that, Jerusalem was completely ransacked and every Jew was kicked out of Israel. And they didn't come back to their land as a nation till 1948. Nearly 2,000 years the Jews have been cast out to every country in the world. In Ezekiel 37.21 it says, Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land and I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel and one king shall be king over them all. Who's that? Jesus. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel and one king shall be the king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. It was obvious that John Key and McCulley, who initiated the resolution after being told to do so, have got no idea of what God has said is going to happen. All of the promises made to national Israel will then be literally fulfilled. Again, demonstrating the faithfulness of the Lord God of Israel. Now I want you, I want, want you to play a, um, a video which will tell you where the name Palestine came from. Are we ready? Because the name Palestine was invented after the Jews were kicked out of Israel. We often hear these historical claims about the Palestinians. In a highly politicized debate, it's worth asking, what's fact and what's fiction? versions of the name Palestine refer to a small region on the Mediterranean coast bordering Egypt and to the Philistines, an ancient Greek people that, like many others, have vanished over time and have no connection to today's Palestinians. The word Palestine was first formally used by the Roman Emperor Hadrian. During his rule, Hadrian massacred the rebellious Jewish population in the Kingdom of Judea and sent most of the remaining Jewish population into exile. Hadrian was determined to obliterate thousands of years of Jewish presence in the land that is documented with extensive archaeological findings and place names we still use today. And so, he decided to rename the province of Judea, Syria, Palestina, after the vanished nemesis of the ancient Jews, the Philistines. Judea was the last independent state that existed in the land. Century after century, the remaining Jews, as well as other groups, lived under the rule of successive foreign powers. During the time of the Ottoman Empire, 
the word Palestine was used as a general geographical term describing the land south of Syria. So when that area fell into the hands of the British at the end of World War I, it was only natural that they named it Palestine. The League of Nations, a predecessor to the UN, granted the victorious World War I powers mandates to control the Middle East and prepare the local peoples for independence. This area came under the British Mandate of Palestine. Two populations lived under the Mandate of Palestine, Arab and Jewish. Both of them considered Palestinians. And so, the Jewish-founded Palestine Symphony Orchestra would, upon Israel's independence, become the Israeli Philharmonic. The Anglo-Palestine Bank would become the Israeli Leumi Bank. And this poster, that is often used today to support anti-Israel arguments, was in fact a Zionist ad promoting tourism to the Jewish homeland in Palestine. In 1947, the mandate expired, and the UN decided to split the land into independent Jewish and Arab states. The Jews accepted the UN resolution and called their state Israel. The Arab world, however, rejected the two-state plan, and right after the last British soldiers departed, attacked their newly independent neighbor. After the war, Jordan annexed the West Bank, and Egypt took over the Gaza Strip, which were both assigned to the Arabs as part of the partition plan. Neither country saw a need to set up an independent state in these areas. As a result, an Arab state did not materialize in the former British Mandate of Palestine. Palestinian identity continued to grow after 1948, culminating in 1964 when the Arab League initiated the creation of the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, declaring this Arab group the Palestinian people. The PLO demanded the entire area of the mandate, though it called for the destruction of Israel, but did not challenge Jordanian and Egyptian rule. Arab aspirations continue to focus solely on eliminating the state of Israel, instigating another war in 1967, in which Israel gained control over the former Mandate territories in the West Bank and Gaza. So, are these historical claims about the Palestinians true? No, these claims are false. Jesus was born 134 years before the Romans changed the name of Judea to Palestine, over 1900 years before it became the name of the British Mandate, and almost 2000 years before it was widely adopted by an Arab population in the region. He was, however, a Jew, living in the Kingdom of Judea. All history put aside, Israel and the international community have endorsed Palestinian national aspirations through repeated peace offers based on a two-state solution. Unfortunately for everyone in the region, Palestinian and Arab leaders have rejected all of these offers. They continue to make false historical claims, hoping to erase Jewish ties and deny Jewish rights in this region. Thank you. I think that is a, um, a very excellent overview of the history, because people don't know the history. Even I didn't know all the history until I um, d d was, was studying over the past few days. Now, why is Israel so important in God's eyes? Who cares about Israel? We live in New Zealand. 
We know Jesus. Why do we have to take any notice of what happens to Israel? Here is why. Israel or the Jews are descended from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The Bible states that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob many, many, many times. Of the sons of Abraham, God set aside Ishmael and chose Isaac. From the sons of Isaac, he set aside Esau and chose Jacob. In God's plans and purposes for this world, Israel became his chosen people. The scripture says it over and over and over again. You and I as Christians are grafted into the promises that were promised to Israel, not the nation. Some people say we were grafted into the nation of Israel. No, we weren't. We were grafted into the promises that were given to Israel from the patriarchs. And those promises were fulfilled in Christ. So by coming to Christ, we receive all the promises that were made to the nation of Israel. So we are the church of Jesus Christ. And this is important. You're a Christian if you are born again of the Spirit of God. That is, you've repented of, of your sins. You've invited the Lord Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and decided to follow him. That's what being born again means. It doesn't mean an intellectual belief that Jesus or God exists. Even the demons believe that Jesus exists. It means to have a supernatural experience for God to come in and dwell inside our spirits. So you can have people in church that believe in Jesus. Some are born again and some aren't. Because they've never surrendered their lives completely to Jesus. And a supernatural thing happens inside Jesus comes and dwells. That's called born again. But you can sit in church all your life and believe that, yep, Jesus existed, but never actually follow him and have never been born again. But here's a very important point. The church is not Israel. Nowhere in the scriptures will you find what some teach that we are spiritual Israel or the new Israel. It's not in the Bible. That false teaching is called replacement theology, that the church replaced Israel or replaced the promises of Israel. And it was started by some of the early century fathers, like Augustine. He preached that. Now, he may have been a clever intellectual man, but he was very wrong. It's not in Scripture. But he wasn't wrong just on that. He also taught that all sex was wrong, even when you were married. So hands up who believes that. That's good to say. 
So if he's wrong on something basic as that, he could be wrong on something as basic as God's got plan, continual plans for Israel. And he was wrong. God has specific plans and purposes for the ethnic nation of Israel, just as he has for Gentiles and Jews that follow the Messiah. Are you clear on that? If you still have any doubts, I, re- I recommend you Google Israel and the Church by Derek Prince or David Pawson or order their books and they will open your eyes to the open wide to the fallacy of what's called replacement theology. In Jeremiah 30, 3-7, in the New Living Translation it says this, For the time is coming, it's coming, when I will restore the fortunes of my people of Israel and Judah. I will bring them home to this land and I will give that I gave to their ancestors and they will possess it again. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now this is the message God gave concerning Israel and Judah. Remember the land of Israel was divided up into Israel and Judah. They were the, where the tribes were gathered for centuries. And this is what the Lord says. I hear cries of fear. There is terror and no peace. What's happening in the Middle East at the moment? There is terror and no peace. Now let me ask you a question. Do men give birth to babies? Then why do they stand there? Their face hard pressed against their sides like a woman in labour. In all history there has never been such a time of terror. It will be a time of trouble for my people Israel. Yet in the end, they will be saved. I believe we are heading into a time of great peril. In the Bible, it is called Jacob's trouble. The trouble that's going to come upon Israel and the world. It's called the tribulation. Many will one day soon, I believe, have to make a real choice whether or not to live and deny Christ or to die for his sake and go to be with him. Hundreds of thousands in ISIS-controlled countries have just made that decision. They're no longer here. 90,000 Christians were martyred last year alone. 90,000 Christians were martyred for, their, for Christ. You think the tribulation is starting? You know, Derek Prince in his message on YouTube called Israel in the End Times says that in a sense the Jews are the minute hand of God's clock. As you watch that minute hand now, you know how near we are to midnight. There could be just two minutes left. So how important is Israel to God? In 1 Chronicles 17.21 it says this, What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations that stood in their way. In Exodus 
9, 5 to 6, it says, Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, this is what he spoke to Israel, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. What is the nation of Israel to God? Here they are his own special treasure from among the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. And Romans 3, 1 to 2, we're into the New Testament now. And Paul says, what advantage then has the Jew or is the prophet of circumcision that's being into the, becoming a Jew? Much in every way, chiefly because they were, to them were committed the oracles of God. God chose one nation, not the Americans, not Russia, not the Mongolians, not the Libyans. He chose Israel to give the word of God to, to go out to the world. One nation he gave it to. Look what it says in Romans 9, 4 to 5. They are the people of Israel. And listen to this. There are eight things God gives to the Israel people as a gift. Eight things in only two verses. These are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. Adopted. God revealed his glory to them. How many nations have seen pillars of fire? He showed his glory to them. He made covenants with them. That's the old covenant and the new covenant. There are two covenants. He gave them the privilege of worshipping him. In um, New King James Version, that means service to him. Privilege. And to, the, to Israel, they received his wonderful promises. Those promises are that a Messiah would come. Those promises are that in the last days, the Messiah would come again and rescue them. Isaac, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are their ancestors and Christ himself, this is the eighth blessing, Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned and he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Look at John 4.22. Jesus was talking to the lady at the well. And he said, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. Well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Folks, our salvation, we have known about it and received it, the knowledge of it, from the Jews. Now friends, I have just lightly touched on how important the nation of Israel is to God and therefore how important they should be to us who have chosen to follow their and our Messiah. And we owe the Jews a debt we can never repay. 
and what a cost it has been for them to carry the oracles of God. Through their own disobedience, God allowed four disporas to, to occur. That's the dispersion or spread from their original homeland to other countries, including after God himself visited them in the form of Jesus. The Romans kicked the Jews out, 135 AD, and Judea and Samaria were renamed by Hadrian to Syria-Palestina after the Assyrians and Philistines respectively, both as an insult to the Jews and as a means of erasing the land's Jewish identity. Now history tells us that many of the Jews ended up in Spain and we have all heard about the Spanish Inquisition, primarily directed at Jews, the most wicked tortures ever developed. Many then ended up in Britain, God save the Queen, but may the English bow their heads in shame because all the Jews were kicked out of the United Kingdom. Did you know that? There was not one left. Every nation they went to. Last century, the German, Germans eliminated six million Jews in the Holocaust. Make sure your children see Schindler's, the movie Schindler's List and other amazing movies about the Holocaust. Because I doubt that much is taught in schools anymore about this wicked, wicked persecution of God's chosen people. Then the United Nations finally agreed, as you saw, that the remnant of Jews after Second World War could have some of their land back in 1948. Israel was restored, the land of Israel was restored after two, almost 2,000 years. And I was, a born, I was born a year later. And that's probably very significant. And it may, may not be. But I wasn't born again until later and that was even more significant. Um, Billy Graham's daughter, Anne Graham Lotz, she was born on 1940 in 1948 when Israel was born. So Israel is very important to Anne Lotz and she's teaching about Israel right now. As soon as the United Nations said yes, Here's all these millions of Jews desperate to find somewhere to live. They've been kicked out of all of the European countries and they've been taken to the um, concentration camps. And Britain and the United Nations agreed, well, look, let's have, let them have a little bit of their land back. And, and, and they agreed that they could form a nation. The moment they formed the nation, all of the Arab nations around, so the Arab nations are that big on the map. Israel is that big. And all the Arab nations attacked immediately. Full-on war happened in later 1948-9. And Israel, with a few hundred thousand people, defeated millions of soldiers. How could they do that if they weren't God's special nation? So immediately the Arab nations waged war and tried to destroy this fledgling 
country. Obviously God intervened and they miraculously defeated all the Arab nations. Then in 1967, as you saw, the Arabs had another go. This time they were fully armed. Egypt, Jordan, Syria, all of those countries around them attacked. Out of the blue, they attacked Israel. Little, tiny Israel. And in six days, Israel defeated all of those nations. Wiped out all of their airplanes everywhere. All of their airports. You'll hear all sorts of stories of how the soldiers saw the Syrian army coming up over the Golan Heights. And they thought, we're going to be swamped. We can't handle that. And then they saw what appeared to be armies of people stopping them from coming. Angels. Just, just as happened back in the Old Testament. Some of the stories of what happened during that six-day war are just absolutely stunning. In six days, they defeated all the Arab nations again. Of course, they're God's people. And at that time, they took back the land that Jordan had taken, as you've seen. It was called the West Bank. But it was not populated by the people who currently call themselves the Palestinians. Now tomorrow, 70 nations are meeting in Paris to give the Arabs another reason to attack. Already, Hamas in Gaza is telling all of their terrorist forces to get ready. They've still got the tunnels that they've built that Israel hasn't destroyed going straight into Israel. And they're just waiting for the legal right to say, let's go. Because they don't want peace. You understand that? Israel is prepared to sit down, in fact, has already offered them. You take that half, except Jerusalem, and we'll take this half. And they turned it down. They said, no, no, we want it all and we will destroy you. You see, there is no negotiable peace with the Palestinians. Now we're going to watch a music video right now which arrived yesterday. Thank you, Leo, for finding this come through. It's called The Gate of Mercy. As we're watching it, and I will speak out the, the words that are on screen for the sake of the audio, let's all pray. <coughs> and weep for Israel, asking the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and our Lord and Saviour, to continue to encompass her about with his loving grace, mercy and justice. On behalf of Rural Y Community Church, I want to bless Israel today in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, if you bless Israel, I will bless you. The Bible says, if you curse Israel, I will curse you. So today, who do we choose to serve? Gate of Mercy by Mia 
בנאי, B-I-N-A-I. מסתובב בעיר הישנה, ורעש בה מכל פינה. אני מכיר כבר The way to the gate of mercy. I'm not looking around. I'm not listening. I am a dreamer. I have already been one. But I already know, already know my way. The way to the gate of mercy. With strength, without strength, the gate of mercy. Come with me together. Come through the fear. For you too are part of the gate of mercy. above the shops. Observe the streets. In my heart there is a big outcry. Show me the gate of mercy. I live once, only once. There's a point, there's no point. The strength without strength. The gate of mercy. Come with me together. Come through the fear. For you too are a part of the gate of mercy. Thank you. Let's just pray and there's a cup of tea afterwards. You're welcome to ask questions and I'll direct you somewhere else to find the answers. Please greet the, pe- the, the uh, visitors that have come and make them feel welcome. <laughs>